Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Into the 1 o'clock hour here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap with you. We'll get to the biggest questions that still remain. Many questions for the stadium project downtown for the Royals. They had their listening tour that kicked off a couple days ago uh, when some questions that we reacted to. But I still think there's, there's three big ones in particular that have to be answered especially if they have any chance of getting this thing on the ballot by August, which is the earliest they could actually get on the ballot. And we know the ideal timeline is perhaps to get a downtown stadium before the World Cup starts, which is 2026. But it is fantasy football playoff season. And so let's, let's welcome in Paul Charchin of guillotineleagues.com. He's presented by Twin Peaks, Eats, Drinks, Scenic Views. And Charge, I have to ask you if I'm out of line here. There's, there's, there's a scenario in our fantasy football league that I have where I'm currently tied for the number one seed. I'm playing against the other guy for the number one seed. If I win, I get the one and there's only four teams that make the playoffs. So it's one oh, versus wow. four, two versus three. Yeah. I was telling Cody the way that the rosters are looking right now, I would rather play the guy that looks like he's going to get the four spot. Is it oh. bad if I intentionally lose? It's not going to let anybody else in the playoffs because I'm playing the guy that's the one seed. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if, in my opinion, if you're not, if you're not going to change, you're not going to mess up the integrity of the league, you know, uh, like knocking somebody in or out of the playoffs, then I, then I'm okay with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge gamble, right? But you can do that. You get, it's within your, it's you're allowed to do that. As again, as long as you're not tinkering with the integrity of the league, which I don't think this does the way you're framing it up. So I think. Okay. Before we yeah. get to other fantasy-specific advice charts, what was the restaurant you went to as a kid that you thought was fancy, only to find out it wasn't? <laughs> oh, that's that's really interesting. Um, yeah, that's a that's that's a great one. I remember thinking it was a a pretty big deal to go to Arthur Treacher's. If you every if you guys young you guys might be too young to remember that. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know, know what, what I'm talking about? I have no idea. Arthur Treacher's. <laughs> I, I have never I have no idea what that is. Sounds it's like it's from okay. the thirties. Here's it was a in the old in ye olden days. So like for me, this is the eighties, right? Is it like um, Red Lobster? It was like a cheap Red Lobster. It was like a, almost like a fast food Red Lobster. It was a seafood place, and that was like you know seafood was kind of a big deal. We were you know we're in Minnesota. Well, you guys, Kansas City. You know, it's not like we had you got fresh fish flown in all the time, stuff like that. So that was my the way my parents would set that up. Arthur Treacher's, which uh, again, I don't know. I don't know what to compare, but what's a fast food? What's the fast food like Long John Silver's? Yeah, Long John Silver's is definitely. That, that's what it looks like. It's got a Long very Long John Sh- Silver's vibe based on the photos I'm looking at. Yes, that's a, that, That's what it was. And uh, but we thought it was a big deal because in our family, it like getting 
seafood. Like, you know, you could go get shrimp. Yeah. That was, you know, that was a luxury dining opportunity right ah. there. Now, how about you guys? Well, we were between. So, like, some of the other big chain ones got mentioned, like Rainforest Cafe and such. I, I oh, had yeah. said at the time it was, I mean, any place like Olive Garden works because they were wearing white button-up shirts. Only rich people <laughs> would wear white button-up shirts. This place has to be fancy. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a great answer. That is a great answer. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and, uh, and Rainforest Cafe, that was a really big deal for, like, yeah. three years. Yeah, they're, they and closed then, a couple locations around here. We don't have any around here anymore. I don't know if there are there any left. Uh, some people we, we were talking about it, we were talking about it in the last segment. I, someone said that there's a couple in like Atlantic City and like resorty areas. I think stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's but, probably about it. I knew the guy who owned it. Really? Yeah, he's an investor in one of my uh, early huh. companies. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right, Charge, fantasy football playoffs, though, do start. And, you know, if you're someone that has Austin Eckler, uh, you've been feeling pretty good considering what he's provided you. But this isn't uh, maybe the, the the weekend to have him going up against this kind of defense. Yeah, this is a tricky matchup. Tennessee, you don't think of Tennessee. You, know, you think of Tennessee, you're like, oh, Derrick Henry. That's, you know, that's the play here. But he's uh, Tennessee's run defense is really, really good. They allow the second fewest rushing yards and touchdowns to opposing running backs. And last week, Travis Etienne, 32 yards on two yards per carry. That's it. But where Austin Eckler is great, of course, is through the air, and Tennessee allows the second most reception, so it'll probably even itself out that way. He's on pace, by the way, to just lead the NFL in receptions, not running backs, everybody, which would be pretty impressive if Austin Eckler ends up pulling that, putting uh, together that trick on the season. Uh, but yeah, this is the opportunity here is through the air, which hopefully will negate what little production he likely gets on the ground. We refuse to take the Texans seriously as a team, but from a fantasy quarterback perspective, they're actually respectable yep. at holding points, aren't they? I assume they're, that's because they're, not, they're so bad. Nobody has to throw, but you know, same difference. That is part of it, right? This is a terrible run defense, the bottom ranked run defense. Get this. They're the second lowest scoring fantasy quarterback defense weird they're awesome they've given up the fewest passing touchdowns in the nfl houston nobody would think that even if you're terrible against the run you'd think if nothing else you'd be like running up and down the field and you'd throw in some extra touchdowns they've actually gotten a lot better personnel wise in their secondary and what'll be fascinating to see is what does your team do do they just run isaiah pacheco is he going to set a career high is he going to get like 25 carries in this game because that's what teams usually do. Um, or are they going to just sort of sit, stick to their script and give Pacheco, you know, like 16, 18 carries and then just throw 40 times with Patrick Mahomes here. And, but the path of least resistance is on the ground. And in most cases that has meant really diminished output for opposing passers. And that could be an issue for everybody who's gotten powered into the playoffs on the back of Mahomes or Juju or Travis Kelsey. Charge, what about your neck of the woods? We know Minnesota last week uh, put up plenty of yardage on offense, but it's that defense had no answer yeah. for Detroit. And now they get uh, a team that you don't necessarily think of for, for offense. That's the Indianapolis Colts. But is there an opportunity here because of how poor the Vikings secondary is? Uh, yes, there is. Here is the last seven non-Heineke quarterbacks to face Minnesota. 329 yards. 326 yards, 330, 307, 382, 369, 330 yards. Hmm. That's what quarterbacks are doing to my Vikings right there. And Matt, Matt Ryan does have some explosive games this year. They were all, you know, they were all not before pre Jeff Saturday who runs the ball constantly, but even Jeff Saturday has got to know 
You know, you can't you can't look at any tape on Minnesota and not go, oh, that's a really good run defense and a really, really bad pass defense. So most likely we're gonna get plenty of passing in this game and that makes some some guys you wouldn't normally start like Matt Ryan and Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell all potentially startable against Minnesota. Charge, what's generally your fantasy strategy if they're saying, you know, six inches of snow in a city? Do you start yeah. thinking about avoiding guys in Buffalo or avoiding guys for Miami? And neither of those teams are playing particularly good offensively right now anyway. So what do you no. do if and those it sucks because those players are certainly a reason why you're in the fantasy playoffs charge. So now what? Yeah, right. And by the way, weather also potentially a factor in uh, in Green Bay, although mostly just because it's going to be very cold on Monday night. But for Buffalo, so I actually had a chance to talk to Marv Levy about okay. Buffalo weather <laughs> once. And so I feel like this is about as, as an authoritative an answer as you could possibly ever get. I think so. Marv Levy talking about Buffalo weather. And he said, we love the weather games. And we always felt like our offense had an advantage until it got really bad. If it got really like deep snow where, you know, guys are just trudging through it, or if it was so windy that you couldn't control the ball, the advantage was all on the side of the offense. Players know where they're going. Um, defenses are trying to react on a slick surface. And he loved it. And he thought that was always an advantage. And you look at his, you know, his teams with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed, and, you know, they didn't get phased by this stuff. And, and Josh Allen's the most strong arm passer in the league potentially. So, you know, you figure it's going to take a lot to keep him down, and I would not panic uh, unless we're looking at feet of snow, which I guess is possible based on what they're saying. So, but mostly we're not worried. A couple more minutes here with Paul Charchin of guillotineleagues.com. We saw that, that tough injury there for Kyler Murray in the first couple plays of the yeah. game on Monday night. So he's done for the season. But you got some playmakers still out there for, for those that are in their fantasy football playoffs, including DeAndre Hopkins. So what does this do for him? Uh, Colt McCoy takes the air out of this passing game. And I mean that literally <laughs> we've seen three full games with Colt McCoy. He's averaging six air yards per pass. That is dead last this year. And that's exactly who he is, by the way, going back several years. In fact, if you go back four seasons, McCoy's found himself in a position where he, teams have had to use him enough that he's thrown 300 passes in the last four seasons for those 300 passes. Colt McCoy has, Four touchdowns and 300 passes 300 <laughs> passes I mean I you want to just suck the air out of a fantasy team there you go and it just that underneath dink and dunk stuff does not generate fantasy points or big plays or touchdowns and it's a particularly bad fit for downfield speed guys like Marquise Hollywood Brown who've made a career running past defenders to catch deep passes it, that ain't coming that ball's not coming from Colt McCoy so this is gonna this is gonna be a material downgrade for the for the Cardinals. I think even more than people might suspect. Last one for me, Charge. The game tonight, San Francisco and Seattle. Yeah. I always point out I once won a fantasy championship with Tyler Thickpin. Can you do Love the it. same with Brock Purdy? Can you just uh, you know, take a chance yeah. if you you know maybe you had Kyler and now you don't? I think I think there's a good chance that Brock Purdy's gonna power your team. The beauty of it, even without Debo Samuel, is just get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Here, get, get a lot of this stat. I love this. Second quarter of last week's game, Brock Purdy threw two touchdown passes outside the numbers and at least 20 yards downfield, twice in the second quarter. Jimmy Garoppolo had two such touchdowns, again, outside the numbers, 20 yards downfield, in two years. 
That's a bit of a difference, Church. That's a big difference. This Brock Purdy guy, you know, look, it's, he's looked good through two games. So good they rested him in a blowout win last week. <laughs> against Brock Tom. Purdy. Yes, against Tom Brady. Unbelievable. The, the NFL, leave it to the NFL to wander into storylines like tonight's game. Geno Smith, who's going to be the comeback player of the year, facing and Brock Purdy. is The only reason Brock Purdy's even in this situation at all is because of last time they met, Seattle ended Trey Lance's season, and Jimmy Garoppolo got thrust into action despite the fact that they hadn't allowed him to practice or know the playbook with the team. Real quick, Charge, I'm going to talk about it tonight on my betting show. You mentioned Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. I think it is funny because I, I agree with you. He's going to win it, uh, and I understand why he's going to win it. But it is funny. Come back from what? From being bad, bad for bad. six years? Is that did he do the coming back from injury? He came back yeah. from something. It's death. Just like I get he's going to win it, but it is kind of weird. So it's just most improved player award is what it is, really. Um. Well, I mean, it's just, every year's different on what that means. Usually, it's injury, right. not a guy who's been on the bench for seven seasons. Um. So I mean, this the situation here is pretty different, and it's all magnified by the Russell Wilson trade, right? Sure. Broncos picked the wrong quarterback to get from Seattle and paid all those first-round picks to do it. And by the way, the angle on your show tonight, let me help you out. I'm going to give you a little yeah, prep on it. let me hear it. Okay? So Debo Samuel out. That leaves behind eight touches per game. Christian McCaffrey's already maxed out. Jordan Mason's going to get a bunch of – going to get all those extra runs. They're going to go to Jordan Mason. You'll want to look for him if they've got a line for him. Juwan Jennings is the guy that runs out of the slot, and Debo primarily runs out of the slot. So we'll see a little extra Juwan Jennings. And how about, how about George Kittle? You know, we know Samuel catches over the middle of the field a lot. That's Kittle territory. And Kittle did not play in the week two matchup with these teams. He was hurt for that game. But last year, their most recent meeting against Seattle, nine catches, 181 yards and two scores for George Kittle. All right, there we go. I will definitely take a look at that. Kittle, 40 and a half receiving yards tonight. Juwan Jennings, 26 and a half over over baby there you go over charge appreciate it man we'll check in next week thanks friends we'll do this two more times to get people to the fantasy championship let's do it let's do it it's time to crown the champs there you go paul charging of guillotine leagues.com presented by twin peaks eats drinks scenic views and yes tonight uh that betting show live from seven eight be hosting that julio sanchez producing it and uh we will talk a lot about Thursday night football Uh, got the company party uh yeah i will be be a nice loose show tonight. Loose. Loose show. Taco bar. Seven, eight. So don't take your advice is what you're saying. I already have the show prepped. I mean, so it's the stuff. So really, was, the drinking part, yeah. you did that sober. Yeah. The, the, the advice, the, he's, the, the advice that's sober, sober Alex advice. thinking about sober the Sober advice. I already have, the only thing Tipsy I, Alex giving you the advice. Yeah, and I got a guest coming on from the Action Network to, to break down some games as well. And then um, we'll have our same game parlay for, for Thursday Night Football. So yeah, we're ready to go. You're just going to do all overs? Just do the same game parlay of all the things Charge just told you to bet. Overs I don't know. all. I might do. I don't know if I want to make that. I don't know if I'll make that the official uh, show parlay tonight, but I might include an element or so in said same game parlay. I might, instead of a little three game, same game parlay, maybe we make it a four gamer and I throw in Juwan Jennings or George Kittle over. And then I can blame Charge. Like, you know, I'll just send. If that's him, the leg I'll, that I'll, fails. I'll, I'll send Charge a tweet because I'm sure he gets those. Anybody that does fantasy football or betting and gives out like advice or picks knows that. Uh, most of the time, if you get something right, nobody says, oh, yeah, good call. It's only when you get it wrong. We know that's just kind of the name of the game. That's kind of how that works. How many units are you up on that betting show? Uh, actually, uh, I don't have it in front. The, against the spread? Isn't that the word? This is like saying well, match or kit or pitch. 
I can units. give you that answer. I can tell you what the against the spread record don't, is. Don't throw soccer under the bus. <laughs> Chad, I've learned very defensive about soccer. He's he backs up. He's a big soccer guy. Uh, against the spread, NFL 28-18-2. Again, that is not money line stuff. That is against the spread uh, only. So that's where we're at on the, that the official props? show. No, that is against, that's just that is the, against spread. the spread. 28-18-2. For the official, what we call Cody, the Goldilocks on that betting show. You're tonight. welcome for um, that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're not the first person ever that's mentioned that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you know. I mean, I... I'm the most recent before you started using it, so yeah. I mean, I had something. We had something on a on another show I used to do. They were the Stone Gold Locks instead of Stone Cold. They're Stone Gold. I like the Goldie Locks though. I like it better. I do. No, it works. It works. All right, <laughs> let's get uh back into I, what I think is going to still be for the next calendar year the the biggest story really in Kansas City, and that is this baseball project for downtown stadium, right? And the ballpark district. So we know there was a listening session a couple nights ago. And in that, we learned some information, right? Capacity, they would like it to be at 38,000, 34,000 seats. The earliest it can go to a vote is August of next year. Uh, we learned that it's, of course, officially a $2 billion project. Of that, the Royals slash private money is going to pay the billion for the ballpark, ballpark district. district. The biggest question left still is the rest of the financial what is the breakdown of that billion dollars? That's just for the stadium that they're going to be asking some of the money to be from the public. How much is some, you know, because you can say that oh, bulk of the $2 billion district is going to be paid by us. Okay. Well, a billion of it for the district, how many more millions are you going to pay for the stadium? So there's a chance where you can say, we're going to, we're actually paying over half of the whole project. Yeah. But of the stadium, how much are you paying? We don't have the answer to that yet. Maybe it is going to be a much higher percentage than we all think. I have no idea yet. We know a billion of the two billion for sure because it's the that's the ballpark district. But how much of the billion for the stadium is public? Is it going to be sixty percent public, forty percent private? We don't we don't have. That's the biggest question still remaining. I think is money. Yes, location, but everybody has a good feeling. They feel like it's going to be potentially the East Village or one of the other two sites right around there downtown. I really do hope that just from a stadium perspective, they incorporate not just the fountains, but you know, having the having the crown vision is one of the most unique stadium elements for anyone in baseball. Like losing that feels like I'm losing something. But is it's, that high on the list? Like it's a you of the things I want incorporated. The no, 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 like, nod right, to the right old now, stadium? like the biggest question. Like you're right. Those are, we're going to no. have questions about no. what the stadium looks like Here's and parking thing. and transportation and all that. But the like, last time. These two teams asked for money. They got $250 million to renovate the Truman Sports Complex. Mm -hmm. So if they got $2,000 or $250 million, I, it's really safe to say that the amount they're going to ask in publicly funded stuff is more than that. Of course, the project's more. My yeah. guess yeah. is that they're probably looking for, they're saying bulk, and they're going to try to take that as a 550-450 split. Bulk is anything over 50%. If it's below that, then I think you're being a bit disingenuous in what qualifies as bulk, uh, so right? I agree with you. My question is, though, again, the wording of it. Because i 100% with you that you can't only pay 10% and say it's a bulk. I don't think that'll be 10%. My question is, when they say bulk, and we don't have the answer yet, is that for the entire project? Again, sure, they can claim $1.3 billion correct. of the entire project. Because a billion. 700 million of which would still be financed. Yeah, sure. because $2 billion for the whole project, a billion that they're already committing to, either them slash private money for the ballpark district, the retail, the restaurants, the hotel, that kind of stuff. Okay, so that's, that's already 50% of the project. But sure. of the stadium, 
what's the percentage? And that is what we simply so do I, not know. I yet. did ask around, by the way, to a couple different people. And I would say that the one of the questions we still had remaining is they're asking for just, hey, we're not asking for new money. We're just asking you to keep that sales tax increase that has been for the Truman Sports Complex from the beginning. Just let that bad boy keep rolling. Yeah. The current intent, I don't know that things will change or all those things. The current intent that that, that, that sales tax would still be for both. Yeah, I don't now, know how that works, though. It seems to me that it won't. I understand, like, I, to me, I don't know how it works because they're no longer going to be sharing a space. Now, you could just say, hey, we want that same tax, but we'll just take our part. That other part can go to keeping both teams in Kansas City. And once the Royal or once the Chiefs are ready to do their thing, they can have their right. half of the money or whatever conversations they right. want to have around it. Because here's the truth. To keep that sales tax thing going, they're going to have to keep them together at least through 2030, you would think. So keeping them together actually does kind of make well, sense because they're sharing those funds at the moment. Or, so again, you're talking about the cent sales tax that everybody, yes. not everybody, but it passed, I should say, that got approved. I don't remember what it passed um, by at the time. Yeah, I, I don't know what the percentage was. Um, it doesn't really matter at this point. But no, um, that was, you're right, for both franchises for, for the entire complex. And it does run through, I think, 2031. And the Royals are saying that for Jackson County residents, it's not going to be an increase, which means that they're going to try to extend it and keep it where it's at. And you're right, it's for both teams. So, yes, are we going to be in a situation where um, it gets extended f- and that is just the Royals? And then in a year or so after, then the Chiefs are going to want a new sales tax? Or, or do they, are they sharing the three-eighths and then they want to take it to you know, up a higher percentage? Well, that's half. The- you know, the Royals are part of. I mean, or the the, the, the Chiefs are part of that three eighth cent sales tax, and the funds they're they're getting some of that money for the complex. If the Royals leave the complex early, like, there has to still be an agreement between the Chiefs and Royals, like how that because that the, the Chiefs don't want to just so that that's the kind of stuff that has to be worked out. These are all the many questions that we don't have answers for, and frankly, I I don't know if the the Royals fully have those answers yet either. That's why these listening tours, like as we progress, let's say that I don't know when the next one is. It's not scheduled to my knowledge. Let's say it's a month from now, maybe a month from now, we get another little piece of information. Then the next one's the location. All we know is the earliest it's going to be on the ballot is August. And if that's the case, that means they have to have everything we're talking about right here figured out and given to the public before it goes for a vote. Because, of course, it's not going to go to a vote unless we know the percentage you're asking for and where the hell the stadium's going to be. Those are the two biggest things. Um, the one thing we did learn a couple nights ago was, of course, that they're staying in Kansas City, Missouri, which I know makes a lot of people uh, happy in that regard. The Chiefs, that'll still be that'll still be a big question. Right? I, th- I think they're going to play. I still in Missouri. think they'll use the Kansas stuff as leverage because they can. Yeah, the Royals already said we're not. That, there's no leverage play there. They already said we're, we're going downtown. And we always thought baseball was going to go downtown. The Chiefs was more the wild card for football. You don't have 80 plus games at home. You're and not. And it's still going to be hard to develop the Truman Sports Complex. You can ask for a bunch of money in a fancy stadium, but are you going to have anything around it? Can't just be the Royals who want to make money off of the area surrounding their stadium. You would think the Chiefs also want to make money in the area surrounding their stadium. The one difference they can do is they can do it like Green Bay. That that like champion village or yeah, whatever they the hell they call it. Town, I think. Like they call okay, that area so, Title Town up in Lambo. Like if you have the land that Kaufman currently occupies, you can at least mm-hmm. put some amenities right there yeah. on the site right next to you. So you can somewhat I think it is a lot harder to do when there's two stadiums yeah, and, there. At the time it seemed like a cool idea in retrospect. Putting two stadiums right next to each other is problematic. Well, there's times, it was 50 years ago, man. You know, like 50, things changed. That was 50 yeah. years ago. At the time, it was actually very innovative. It was. You know? And unique. And a um, unique stadium setup. 
So we'll, I, I agree with you. If I, if I, if you were, if you were betting on where do you think the chiefs will long-term be? Yeah. Right I'll, there. Right there. But what you're saying where they'll build a, they'll build a few more things around uh, to a, a certain extent around that area and try to replicate what replicate what the Patriots have and what the, what the Packers have up in Lambeau area as well. All right, come up next. We'll get to what's trending and our conversation with former Chiefs wide receiver Dane Hughes, part of the Chiefs radio network. We'll ask him how hard it might be for McCall Hardman to get back up to speed, to put some of that weight back on, to be ready to go for this stretch. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Run of the season. What's trending? All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Number one on what's trending, little injury update for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, all 53 members of the roster practicing again today. That includes Kadarius Tony, though, who was uh, limited on Wednesday. That means McCall Hartman is practicing. Uh, so something to keep an eye on heading into this game on Sunday. We'll get another injury update tomorrow from Andy Reid. But I think, as we've said throughout the week, McCall Hartman playing on Sunday, very, very unlikely. Kadarius Tony up in the air. We'll see how that practice report comes out today. Limited participant yesterday. We get another limited participant today. How optimistic are you going to be? He's playing on Sunday. Oh, if he's, if he's limited today, Tony, that, that being Tony, uh, then yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll play. I think they would hold him out another week. I would think so too. Next up on what training Thursday night football tonight, 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks in a battle over in the NFC West. Brock Purdy will make the start despite a midsection injury that occurred in the game on Sunday. Remember no Debo Samuel. Is that all they're calling he's it? Got Is that, a midsection injury? No, they called it like a oblique or something. I don't know. When you talk about worse midsection injury, (laughs) just somewhere in the (laughs) middle. Uh, Remember, no Debo Samuel. He has that high ankle sprain. They're still hopeful he'll return by the end of the regular season, but he's still missing as well. Plus, you can watch a defensive player of the year candidate. The only other guy who's got a chance at that award right now is Nick Bosa. He's got a he's got a plus 200 odds or so. He's closed the gap against Micah Parsons, who does still have a pretty uh, steady lead. Yeah, I think it actually be a pretty good game tonight. Looking forward to watching that. Also, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker has been named the next NCAA president. He'll begin his role on March the 1st. Mark Emmert had been the president for many, many years. Uh, of course, we know the NCAA uh, has always faced tons of criticism for its handling of not only punishments, but just uh, in terms of what's allowed for student athletes. Uh, we know they were against the idea of name, image, and likeness. Uh, they chose to fight it for so long, and it happened anyway, and now they've been trying to play catch up. I think the the hire here uh, is all about them trying to make sure they have someone that can prepare them and get them through what is going to be continual battles through Congress uh, when it comes to NIL and other matters. And so they went with someone that has a political background here, has no collegiate experience or anything like that. Uh, but I, I get the hire. The NCAA as a whole, though, they're just they're not nearly as powerful as what they were uh, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Uh, 
people have kind of wised up a little bit at, at, at the individual schools and recognizing um, what what they need to pay attention to when it comes to the NCAA and what, what they don't really have to, to honor. I think the NCAA is in a, an interesting spot for over the next 10 years in terms of uh, what they're willing to to cave on in terms of saving themselves uh, long-term. Because I think if the NCAA keeps fighting some issues the way they did for NIL, they're going to continue to put themselves in a really bad spot. They had a chance 10 years ago. They could have just said, you know what? Whoa, wow. A little bit of, they could have structured it the way they wanted. And Cody, we probably wouldn't even see the way it's opened up so much yeah. to this point. Like if you're trying, if but they, they wanted to have would control, not allow any of it. It was all or nothing for them. And now it was their money. They, they're trying to play catch up with cost them. themselves more money by not just agreeing to give some money. Then that's the stupidest thing about it. Lastly, on what training Drew Brees is heading over to Purdue. He will be named an interim assistant coach <laughs> with the program, helping them usher in a new uh, era over at Purdue. Is, I th- is he just, is, I, I still I honestly don't know. Is he just an assistant for the bowl game? Interim assistant coach. What is that? I don't know. If you're going to be there all offseason for six months, that's not really interim. I mean, that's not even really interim. So I just wonder, is he just coaching, helping recruiting for the next month and a half? Okay, that's interim. I guess, I mean, I, like, I understand the logic of that, but, you know, keeping Drew Brees around your organization for a brief period of time, but still, it doesn't seem like it's ideal. That is what's trending here on Cody and Gold. Alex Gold, Cody Tap with you, Jed Marshall, in for Nick Schwartz. Jed making a ton of friends on the text line throughout the show today. Very so popular really, on there. Uh, six more shows still to come to continue to make more friends, Jed. Well, I, I didn't realize wait. that this my take today would be so hot and spicy. It was, man. If you missed it, you can go. Carry the whole the four podcast. hours somehow. You made one comment at ten thirty, and we Ooh, are still. It wasn't even ten thirty. I think it was like fifteen it was, minutes yeah, it into was the well, show. It was like right 10 off the start, in. and we are about a hour and a half away from our. Jed, party. I don't know if you know this. We have a thing about not getting political on this show. I didn't think I got political. <laughs> I mentioned nothing about any political allegiance or anything. All I said was that it's Upset supposed to be called people, a holiday party. Upset a lot of people, you know? Because I want it to be called a holiday party. There, you saw the text. You I did, them. and I found a lot of them quite humorous, now you, now and you, some you, of them very <laughs> troubling also. Earlier today, we had a chance to catch up with former Chiefs wide receiver Damian Hughes, and uh, we asked him uh, if he's showing up to this party this afternoon and, of course, then talk some football. <laughs> What's going on, fellas? Yeah, I may, may pop through and toss my name in the hat a little bit this afternoon. I actually have to bounce around, plus I have to get ready for the show tonight, so not sure how long I'll be able to stay there, but it'll be fun to be able to celebrate the holidays with everybody. When you talk about the uh, this game, I think that's part of it. It's like, oh, get ready for the show tonight. We'll get ready to fly down to Houston and see this team. It's we asked ourselves the question, like, is there anything you can do to take this team seriously? And I know that they just played this game close against the Cowboys. But in my experience in watching the NFL, Danon, that was the last gasp of a very bad football team. I don't think they've got that in them twice. Well, you never know. I mean, earlier this season when we played the Colts and in the state that they were in at that time, we would have never thought that we would have gone there and lost the game. I think it's probably a little bit more easier to digest the losses to the Bills and the Bengals. But I think last week, the way we allowed the Broncos, who in some respects is just as bad as the, uh, as the Texans, um, we let them get some life. And you saw firsthand how quickly a game can change and how quickly the momentum can change off of one play or one decision. So, I feel like that was a wake-up call, and I don't take anybody 
lightly in the NFL, but I also think that this game is more about us. This is one of the games, okay, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm in that meeting room all all week, and I'm talking about, you know, do you who are we? Like, what's our identity? Because we played really well against the Buccaneers. We played really well in those first eight games, uh, playing against uh, winning teams from the previous year, first time in NFL history that a team has had to do that. And then we have shown situations where we've not played very well. So who are we? And if we are who we think we are, and we are a team that's supposed to go where we want to go, then this is a game that we should not have any issues in. And let's rebound from that Broncos game and show the world who we really are. How much does it also maybe from the mental side of things help that when you see this Texans team uh, last week really probably should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. They had that, that fourth and goal and they got held up and then the Cowboys marched down and get the game-winning touchdown. The fact that if you're the Chiefs, you just saw this opponent nearly beat the Cowboys team who's you know one of the contenders to maybe get to the Super Bowl this year. It's, it's, it's definitely part of that whole package. It's part of the wake-up calls. It's just like when we have six rookies, think about the dynamic of a rookie in the NFL. One, the game, I don't care where you played, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, wherever, the game is significantly faster at the NFL than it is in college. It's different. You're playing against grown men with families, and you are a rookie trying to keep up. And you thr- you're thrust into leading roles on this defense. And now you come upon, in your mindset, you remember, well, when I was, just using this ex- example, when I was at Alabama, we played Alabama State and blew them out. And we played Vanderbilt and blew them out. And we played all these other teams that we were better than, and we blew them out. Well, you don't have blowouts in the NFL. And I feel like last week was that, eye-opening experience for a lot of the rookies that, oh, oh, well, this is what the NFL is really about. Like, you don't blow teams out. And teams are not going to give up just because they're down by 27 points in the second quarter. Like, that's a reality check. So I feel like this game is almost like a renewing of the minds of some of these rookies and the young talent where they realize, oh, like, we're really totally playing in the NFL. Yeah, we've played some semi, you know, subpar teams, and we've played some good teams, and we knew, okay, we knew going in that those teams were, would give us a battle. But last week, I have to feel like they knew that the Broncos, or they felt like the Broncos shouldn't have been able to come back down 27 nothing, and they did. So that learning experience will help them take, the Texans more seriously. And then on the flip side, the Texans, let's realize last week and this week are two playoffs slash Super Bowls that the Texans will play playing in Dallas in front of that fan base home state, and then playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs coming in town. Like this is their playoffs and we gotta be, we gotta be ready for them. Dana, when you're talking about it, the, obviously the biggest issue we're talking about on offense and defense for this team has consistently been turnovers. I always feel like everyone just describes them as being something preventable, like if you just focus or try harder or those things, the amount of turnovers you can do. It. But the Chiefs have turned it over in eight straight games, Dana. Is this something they can still fix before the postseason? I don't have a problem. Well, I have a problem with three interceptions. Let me make that clear. I don't have a problem with turning the ball over per se, 
I have a problem with us not turning the other team over as much. And to think that, and I haven't looked throughout the, the archives and history, but I can't recall a team with a minus five giveaway takeaway being a top of a division, never mind a top one of the top two teams in the entire AFC or NFC. So to me, like the giveaways are going to happen. We have a, a quarterback that likes to take chances that, that trusts his receivers and wants to make plays. He's going to make a mistake pressing his foot on the gas pedal versus riding the brake. And I'm okay with that. We've learned. And if like, if you are concerned about that, then you must not have really enjoyed the last four straight AFC championships that have been played at Arrowhead. But having said that, we also had defenses at times that came up with that turnover. And we need to flip that number. So what I'm looking for in these last few games is, can we flip, can we get back to zero? Can we get back to the giveaway takeaway being even? Because I feel like that's a recipe for uh, some disappointment in the postseason if we're not able to turn the ball over. Uh, more than we're turning the ball over. I remember last year, I think we got to minus 12. And then that was like the reality check where things turned around and we went for strings, uh, you know, of time without turning the ball over and then getting turnovers. And I think within the span of like five weeks, we wind up being plus four. That's where, that's where my concern is. We're talking former Chiefs wide receiver Danian Hughes. You can hear him on the Chiefs radio network this Sunday down in Houston as the Chiefs get set to take on the Texans. Uh, Danian, you you look at the injury to McCole Hardman. We still don't know fully what it is, abdominal illness, abdominal injury. But then hearing Andy Reid uh, mention yesterday that he's trying to get his weight back up, and that's something that McCole Hardman really need, needs to do as well to be to be ready to go. How tough is that in season, especially for a wide receiver? It's not like McCole Hardman was this, this this big wide receiver to begin with. Well, it's really tough because, you know, if he was Juju Smith-Schuster and he was 215 pounds and he lost 10 to 15 pounds because of sickness and he's creeping back, he'd still be a 200-pounder at wide receiver. You still feel okay with that. But if you're McCall Hardman, who's a lightweight anyway, and you lose weight, you got to worry about the strength that comes along with that loss, the speed, the endurance. And what you're asking McCall Hardman to do in this offense, it takes a lot of endurance. The, the motions, the shifts, the, the routes, the, the, the whirly bird motions, the jet sweeps, all of that stuff takes some endurance and it takes that quickness. So I don't know if I would be as concerned. I feel like with the nutritionists and the dietary uh, plans, you can put weight on. There's a lot of guys that put a lot of weight on a lot of the offensive linemen, they're not naturally 300 pounds. Like, if they, if they ate regularly, they'd probably be down to 250 within a few weeks. They have to keep their weight up, so they have to eat certain things to keep their weight up. While wide receiver, it may be a little tough, but then what also is the impact for him and his skill set, being the quickness, the, the speed, et cetera. So that's the part that I think Andy Reid has been most concerned about is one, him getting healthy, but two, him getting back to where he needs to be to be the asset to this offense that we've become accustomed to seeing. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is still why they were being – like, I know that they're sometimes a little bit coy about injuries. feels like they're being straight-up secretive with this one, Danon. Like, 
nobody seems to know exactly what happened here. And that might be the sickness. And when you're talking about intestinal issues, like I had, I had two ulcers when I played. Like, and I don't think anybody knew about it. And there would be times I would be curled and curled up in the fetal position in the training room or in front of my locker before practice and games. There was I had to go to an emergency room the Saturday before a home game one time during my career because my stomach was was just totally messed up. But I still played. Now, had I been in a position where I lost weight, I don't know, and I was sleeping all the time, like there have been reports about him, I don't know if that would have been able to, to allow me to play football. So nobody knew that I had ulcers uh, except the doctors. Um, and fortunately for me, it didn't impact me enough that I had to miss games. So in his case, maybe for Andy, it is just an intestinal thing that they're trying to figure out medically with prescriptions, et cetera, to hopefully get him back to normal. What do you actually think happens in this game, Dan? I know you said blowouts in the NFL don't happen very often, but I still think they're going to blow them out. Well, what do you consider a blowout? And by NFL standards, two to three scores, anywhere between 14 to 17, I normally would give that mark. You beat someone 31-17, haven't you kind of blown them out? Um, it depends. <laughs> it depends <laughs> sure. on how that game unfolded. Sure. If you scored in the last drive or you got a pick six to end the game, I don't know if that's a blowout. So to me, uh, a blowout is that you've been up 17 to 21 points all game. The majority of the game from the second quarter or from the, from the first drive after halftime on that's a blowout to me. Now, so that was our conversation uh, with Dane and Hughes a little bit earlier on uh, today, former Chiefs wide receiver at the end. Yeah, as far as the blowout stuff, like, look, the Chiefs are 14-point favorites. If they win this game, if they're up at halftime and it's, you know, 14-3 to and then they end up winning the game 24-10, uh, to I still think that's a blowout because that means they controlled the entire game and won, and so won by double digits. If you're up two touchdowns the entire game and win by close to two touchdowns, then yeah. in the NFL – that's a beat down. I, as we talked about in that conversation with Dana, and I, I think on the mental side, the Chiefs do have a lot going for them where it's like, hey, wake up call. You had a 27 nothing lead against the Broncos. They made it interesting late. Uh, the Texans just gave the Cowboys everything they could handle a week ago. Like, I think they're mentally not going to be overlooking the Texans. Like, I think they're in a good spot uh, for, for the game on Sunday, not to mention they're just the Texans are the worst team in football. Like, yeah, but they are catching the Texans at their best. They can tell themselves that. But they are they can at tell their best, themselves, though? Like, because well, there's, no can, P, there's no Pierce, there's no uh Sure, but uh, I'd be Brandon like, look Cooks. how, I, you know, all I'm saying is you pitched the, like, we were up against a bad team when we let him back in the game and they almost beat us, and and they didn't really almost beat you, but, you know, you get the point. Yeah. And then, and here come the Texans, and they almost beat a playoff team, so no, no time to fall asleep at the wheel. I think you can really pitch that story pretty hard inside the locker room right now for the Chiefs. And I know as much as we're like, that must um, that happens. Teams lose focus. Teams don't take teams seriously. Trap games are real. Like those are all very serious things that occur in the NFL. So you got to find ways to motivate. And this feels like the one. And then uh, as he mentioned about McCall Hardman, who we know is still trying to get ramped back up, put on some weight. And as he said, it's not even just the weight; it's also the like the endur- you know the endurance aspect of it too. From McCall Hardman uh, trying to get back in the mix, which is why they activate him from the IR or activated the IR window, I should say, so he gets 21 days to get revved back up. Uh, maybe he plays next week. Don't feel like that's going to be the going to be the case this weekend. And then hopefully Kadarius Tony's not limited today. 
I mean, I hope so, but also I'm not optimistic he's playing. Feels like it's going to be the same grouping of guys we've been talking Which, about for the last again, few with weeks. This, I understand what happened last week, but with this team, I still like they got more than enough weapons to go get the job done still, whether Tony and McCall Harmon are playing. Yeah. More than enough. Pacheco and Kelsey and Juju's getting revved back up They could himself. be without Juju and Kelsey, and I would still predict well, them to win this game. Yeah, it'd be an interesting experiment there, one that I don't need to see. But well, I don't yeah. want to find out. I'm just saying if that were the case, if they were like, you know what, actually, we're going to rest them too. I'd be fine. They'd be fine. You know they'd be fine. Yeah, I think there'll be a ton of – I think I mentioned I think there'll be a ton of Chiefs fans down there for that game. Jed, Jed, last chance to make up all the ill will <laughs> you earned to the text line and sing Jingle Bells. I'm not going to do that. He's saving it for karaoke at the party here in about He's not going hour. to that either. Not going. I told you, I have a beef. I'm taking it up as, as soon as we get done with HR here in two minutes. I'm going to head downstairs and talk with them about how it's a holiday party. And I didn't cancel Christmas text line. You can have Christmas. I don't care what holiday you celebrate, but be inclusive to all. Isn't that what the holiday spirit is all about? The text line but I'm the jerk. Again. The tech, 913-586-7610. Come on, just one, one version of Frosty the Snowman. Whichever your favorite uh, Christmas carol is. I'm not going to do that, Cody. I already know you don't know many of the words, which we've established last year. Around oh. the same time. Yes. Uh, rum-pa-pum-pum. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's pretty good. I still think Cody's going to... I'm trying to think who... Who's the drunkest from the station at the party? Not me. I'm not. No way. Binkley, I mean, even if he isn't going. <laughs> I still, I don't think anybody's going. You're the, still my most likely candidate for it. On the on-air or just in the whole building? From our, our station. Not oh, the, not the, our station. Yeah, maybe. Of our station, I might be the leader in the clubhouse. I'm not willing to. I haven't made any um, decisions about how my evening will go yet. Okay. We've been made it very, very clear that there'll be rides available to us if uh, it goes a certain way. That's right. That's all that matters here. You're ready to go with your um, button-down shirt? Yep. The video stream has pointed that out multiple times to you, man. I don't know. What's the big deal? No. I not, I'm never wearing a one shirt. Thing has been aco- one, one thing has been accomplished on this show. It's questioning your clothing shirt and attire. And also, from the 816, from now on, you will be known as Producer Woke Jed. That's wow. what you've done. That's what you've done. I mean, I, I am awake. I'm not the woke one <laughs> anymore woke. on this show. It's no more wokey not tap. Me. Not when Jed's here. But when, when Jed leaves again, it's back to wokey tap. I'm free. It's back to wokey Only tap. Only for six more days. I'll take it. Uh, thanks to Dayton Hughes for joining us a little bit earlier on. We'll be back at it tomorrow from 10 to 2. We'll definitely be talking about this It says Christmas party on the That's taking night. place this afternoon. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.